as Americans, we're looking toward the election of a president next week. So the question on everybody's mind is, what does it mean to be a good leader? But this question isn't on our minds just because of the election. COVID has also had us wondering. Our parishes have had to adapt in a lot of different ways this year, and it's taken leadership to do this. But what does Christian leadership look like? Where does it begin? The bottom line, Christian leadership is servant leadership, and it must start with a foundation built on Scripture. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. So today on the podcast, I want to start with a story. This is a story from the Old Testament, from 2 Kings, starting in chapter 22. And this is the story of King Josiah. Josiah was king of Judah, which is the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom, Israel, had already fallen to the Assyrians. But the southern kingdom hangs on for a little while more before the Babylonians conquer it. And so Josiah reigned in about the 600s BC. That's his dates. And Josiah, it says, became a king when he was only eight years old. Now that's really young. But there's something that Josiah wants to do. He wants to reinvigorate the temple. He wants to get people excited about religion, about worshiping properly. And the way he does it is a way that a lot of us do it in our parishes he decided to do a renovation project. And I know this is popular. This is what Justinian did in the 6th century. He built Hagia Sophia, and then when the roof collapsed, you know, he had to renovate it. And it's something that we can get excited about. When we raise money, we find out that people donate towards building projects, not for operating costs. And so Josiah, in his, in his reign, decides that he's going to raise money and renovate the temple. So he's able to raise the money for the construction, and he goes to the high priest, Helkiah is his name, and he tells the high priest, he says, go to the construction workers and pay them for the materials, for their labor, so that they can do what they need to do for the renovations. So the high priest says, okay, so he's gathering up all the money from the treasury, and remember, in the ancient world, the temples often functioned also as the treasury. They were like the banks of the ancient world. And in fact, in some temples, people could take their personal wealth and put it in the temple. And the idea was that the god would protect your wealth, sort of like we have security guards at banks today or vaults that lock your money up. But in the ancient world, the temples kind of serve that purpose. So as Helkiah the high priest is going through the temple and collecting the money for the renovation, he finds something odd, something that he didn't know existed. And it's a book of the law. It's a book of the law. And he reads it, and all of a sudden, he gets very scared. Because in this book, it says, if you want God's blessings, You have to be obedient to God. You have to be loyal to Him or have faith in Him. And you have to abide by His commandments. This is how you walk the way. And if you walk the way, God will bless you. 
But also in this book of the law that he finds, it says, if you fail to do that, if you start worshiping other gods, if you get off the path and go the wrong way, then God is going to curse you. He's going to exile you out of the land. Well, of course, the people have been doing all the wrong things, and the high priest knows this. By reading the law, he can see they have not been doing what they should have been doing. And so he freaks out, and he goes to the secretary, and he says, take this to the king, show the king, see what the king thinks. So the secretary goes to King Josiah, who is still very young, by the way, he's probably in his 20s at this point, and the secretary reads the law to the king. And the king realizes the same thing that the high priest did. They've been doing it wrong. God doesn't want a fancy building and renovations. He wants you to obey his commandments. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, as we say in our morning prayers all the time. And so King Josiah rips his clothes, and he starts to worry about this. So he calls one of his servants, and he says, Go inquire of the Lord for me for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our ancestors did not obey the words of this book and to do according to all that was written concerning us. So the king's really scared and he sends a servant to go have a conversation with God. This may sound odd to us today, but this is how it worked in the Old Testament. So the servant goes and speaks with the Lord, and the Lord responds, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse. And because you have torn your clothes and wept before me, I have heard you, says the Lord, Therefore, I will gather you to your ancestors, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. Your eyes shall not see all the disaster that I will bring on this place. So that was the message that Josiah received. Yes, they've been doing everything wrong. They've been making offerings to foreign gods. Uh, They've been doing all sorts of things, and God's wrath has been kindled against them. But when they heard God's law, this newly discovered text... They decided to repent and change their ways. So this is a change of heart. Uh, That's literally what repentance means, or change of mind. Although the word mind in ancient Greek is what we would mean by heart. So Josiah has a change of heart. He repents. And then he goes through all the land, and he tears down all the foreign altars. He gets rid of all the priests who worship idols. And he, he cleanses the land. And because of this, God doesn't bring his wrath against the southern kingdom until Josiah has passed on. So this book that was found and delivered to Josiah is probably what we would call Deuteronomy, which actually means second law. That's what the Greek word Deuteronomy means. And it's found in our Bibles, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, it does have these blessings and these curses. The setting of Deuteronomy is Moses talking to the people right before they go into the Holy Land, after they've been freed from Egypt and have wandered in the desert for 40 years. And Moses is reminding them of the covenant between them and God. And Moses says, if you walk the way, if you obey God's statutes, his commandments, 
then God will bless you and things will go well. But if you don't, then things will go very badly for you and God will exile you out of the land because of your transgressions. This is the book that scholars think that Josiah has now read. And he realizes that they've done everything against God's law and that they will be exiled according to God's word. But he repents and God saves them. Now we know after Josiah, eventually the kingdom does fall and they are exiled to Babylon. God's curses do become true. God is faithful to his word because the people had not been faithful to God. So the important thing here is that leadership for Josiah was not renovating the temple. It was not throwing money at a building. But rather, it was obeying the law. In order for Josiah to be a good king, in order for Josiah to receive God's blessings, he had to know his scripture. He had to walk the way. So Josiah's foundation was scripture. And so my argument is, is that to be a good leader, a good Christian leader, you have to start with Scripture. That's where it all begins. So for the next couple of weeks, I want to take a look at leadership, Christian leadership specifically. Uh, oftentimes, we sometimes call this servant leadership or zulos leadership, zulos being the Greek word for servant or slave. And this is the sort of leadership that we see in Scripture. It's the sort of leadership that we see Christ demonstrating when he washes his disciples' feet, when he goes to the cross out of love for us. This is the sort of leadership that we are to imitate. And so for the next couple of weeks, I want to look at the building blocks of leadership. Now, this doesn't come from me specifically. This comes from Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. This is a pan-Orthodox organization that is seeking to teach parishes and Orthodox Christians, clergy and laity alike, what it looks like to be a leader and to cultivate leadership within our parishes. And so this model that I'm talking about starts with Scripture. And you can think of it as a pyramid. So the very bottom step, the largest step, is Scripture. That's where we begin. And the rest of this model is based on uh, Deacon Sean Reed's work. And so I'm relying on that and I'm exploring that. And if you guys want to learn more about this, or if you think that your parish may benefit from this sort of leadership initiative, and there's a lot of training that goes along with this that they're willing to give you, uh, go to their website, Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. Go to their website, and I'll put a link below, and you can find out more if you want to. But I'm going to be building on that foundation, kind of exploring it, both for my own congregation and for you guys as my listeners. This first building block is Scripture. We have to know Scripture. This is what guides us. This is what gives us direction. And this is how we know what we should be doing as Christians. If we don't know Scripture, how can we imitate Christ? Because we know Christ through Scripture. That's where he teaches us. That's what the church uses to instruct us, to build us up as strong, mature Christians. And I don't think that servant leadership or leadership is reserved just for bishops and priests and parish council members. I think that everyone in the parish is called to become a servant leader. Therefore, everyone in the parish needs to cultivate an understanding of Scripture. 
And you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can do the daily lectionary readings. You can pick a book and start reading through it systematically. Or you can go to Bible study, if your parish has a Bible study. Or listen to podcasts, like these here on the Ephesus School. Our foundation at the Ephesus School is built on Scripture. In fact, when I was asked to start this podcast, that was the only requirement. It has to be based on Scripture. Now, you may be wondering, why do I need Scripture? Why is Scripture so important? Do we really need that structure? Do we really need that instruction? Can't I go and buy a book on leadership from Barnes & Nobles or Amazon? Well, I don't think so. I think there are all sorts of different leadership styles out there, but I think we need Scripture so that we can be built on a specific foundation, a foundation built on Christ. So, when I was a kid, it was the summer after fourth grade, so going into fifth grade, I decided that I wanted to learn to play the saxophone. My best friend Adam had decided that he wanted to play the saxophone and had said, oh, you should join me in the band. And I thought, well, if he's playing saxophone, I'll play the saxophone too. And in fact, uh, he's now a music instructor and he's the one that did the intro music for this podcast. So I remember the day that I got the saxophone and I remember having my very first lesson. So those who know saxophones or woodwind instruments, you know that what makes the sound for the instrument is a little piece of wood called a reed. And you put that reed, it's a thin piece of wood, you put the reed on a mouthpiece and you blow through it, and it's what makes the sound. So our very first lesson was how to put the reed on the mouthpiece and put the mouthpiece on the neck of the saxophone. At this point, we hadn't attached the rest of the saxophone. There were no keys or anything yet. It was just the top portion of the saxophone. And our lesson was to go home and to make it squeak. We could learn our mouth position on the mouthpiece and make sure we were doing all of that right and how to use our tongues uh, to make different sounds. And my poor mother, she stuck with me this entire time because I'd always practice at the dining room table and I'm sure I drove her nuts. But as I learned more and more about the saxophone, And eventually, when we attached the rest of the saxophone and I could play different notes by hitting all the different keys, I learned something very valuable. If I wanted to play music well, I couldn't just do what I wanted. Just because I could hit the different keys, I couldn't play jazz. Even though jazz does a lot of improv and the musicians have a lot of leeway, I couldn't become the next Charlie Bird Parker or Ornette Coleman or John Coltrane by doing what I wanted. All of these great saxophone jazz musicians had to know their music theory. They had to know their circle of fifths. They had to know what key they were in, what the sharps and flats were. And only when they understood music theory well could they improvise and make beautiful jazz. In other words, they had to stick with a foundation based on music theory. And that's what Scripture is for us as Orthodox Christians. It is our theory that allows us to play beautiful music, if you will. Or it's the foundation on which we can build our leadership skills. This is where we begin. And even Christ didn't go out there and do things on his own. Even Christ relied on Scripture. Scripture was Christ's foundation as well. Just think about it. After Christ was baptized in the Jordan by John, what happens? He goes out into the desert to pray for 40 days. And what happens while he's there? He gets 
tempted by Satan. But Jesus' response are not his own words. If you go and read those passages, Jesus' response is to quote Scripture. That's his foundation. So Jesus demonstrates leadership to Satan based on Scripture, not on what he thinks or what he wills, but he matches his will to God's will through Scripture. So the first temptation, Satan says, you're hungry. You've been out in the desert. Turn these stones into bread. And what does Jesus say? He says, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is Deuteronomy 8, 3. There's that Deuteronomy again, that very scripture that Josiah found and built his kingdom around. The second temptation that Satan has for Christ is he takes him up to a high place and says, throw yourself down. The angels will save you. And again, Jesus quotes scripture. Again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. This is from Deuteronomy 6.16. And finally, Satan tempts Christ with power. He says, worship me and I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. But Jesus, again, relies on Scripture. And he says, Worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. Deuteronomy 6.13 So even for Christ, the leadership that he demonstrates, the path that takes him to the cross, all of that is built on Scripture. So it's got to be our foundation as well. If we're going to be servant leaders, and lead our churches, and lead our congregations. We start with Scripture. This is our road map. Just as every hiker has a map so they don't get lost in the woods, our map for walking the way is the Bible. And so our first step in becoming good leaders is to become very intimate with Scripture, to know it backwards and forwards. And this first step is really easy. It can start right now, simply by opening the book and starting to read. So thank you for joining me on The Way, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Next week, we'll take a look at the second building block of servant leadership. Have a good day, and God bless.